The views and opinions expressed in the following podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the DVM Production Empire. That's how you know it's good. This is a DVMPE production. Join the Empire today at DVMPE.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Netflix and Spill. I'm Elizabeth Krulik and I'm your host. And today, I have watched for you the entirety of the first season of the Babysitter's Club reboot on Netflix. So, we're going to talk a little bit about a non-spoiler summary and kind of some thoughts on the Babysitter's Club. If you haven't watched it, don't worry, this part of it is safe. If you have watched it, or if you're going to watch it, after this summary, you can pause, watch, catch up, and then uh, unpause so that we can talk about the Babysitter's Club. Uh, Fair warning, I was a big Babysitter's Club fan as a child and an adult, Um, so I was excited to see the series. I think it's worth watching if you are a 12 to 13 year old girl or younger. Uh, It's not, it doesn't hold up the same way for adults as some of the other shows and movies did. But it's very clear that it is a, you know, 21st century babysitter's club. That this is a new dawn and a new day. Uh, No pun intended with the new dawn. (laughs) It's got more inclusivity. Um, They are hitting a much wider range of topics. There's less autonomy with the girls uh, in previous shows and books and things, they could do a lot of stuff on their own without talking to their parents at all. And that's been somewhat eliminated. Uh, overall, it's fun. If you're a fan of Babysitter's Club, it's worth watching and not paying a lot of attention to because you'll see a lot of the same, obviously, storylines from the books, from the old shows, uh, all the characters are there. There is, you know, a, a rival babysitting group and all of the fun things that you like. So ultimately fun. Um, I would not say, you know, sit down with your significant other, uh, (laughs) prepared to watch the babysitter's club without any other children around. Um, but it's, I think it would be worth a, if I was 12 again, 13 again, I think even like 15 again, but also definitely seven again, I would watch this whole series and be pumped for it. Uh, as an adult, I can appreciate it for what it is. So end of the day, do watch, uh, use the excuse of having a child or younger sibling or I don't know, rent a kid, whatever it is you do so that you get to watch it. And, uh, if you're not into cutesy, girly stuff, then, um, you don't have to pause right now because we're gonna jump into what all happened in the season. So let's hit that theme song. Press pause if you do not want to hear any spoilers yet. Okay, so kind of like I said in the summary, I was a big fan of Babysitter's Club growing up. Definitely one of the series of books that I read, along with Sweet Valley High, Let's Be Real. 
I loved the movie. I loved the TV shows. Basically because me and my little sister could agree on watching it. My mother supported our love of Babysitter's Club. It helped that parents really like it when their children read. And the Babysitter's Club had a number of books that we could. So... I was very excited when I came across it on Netflix. I didn't see anything about it before it popped up on Netflix. So I'm obviously out of the loop somewhere here. Or maybe because I'm not an 11-year-old girl, (laughs) I was not, you know, uh, targeted for advertisements. However, it was a real easy season to get through. I enjoyed a lot of it. I don't know that I'll ever go back through and watch them again because it's not meant for me and I understand that. Uh, But there were some real, like, differences from what they'd been doing with Babysitter's Club before, during my youth, a hundred thousand years ago, and what they were doing for current youth. Uh, It was very obvious that they wanted to say hey, these are the issues that we're talking about right now. First and foremost, in the original series, the only person of color, really any ethnicity other than white person, uh, was the character of Claudia. She is Japanese. That was a big part of the books, too, talking about her grandmother Mimi, Uh, Her grandmother has a stroke, both in like the books and the old movies and things, but also uh, in the new series as well. And it was part of her heritage. They also were very, uh, very hard hitting with, with the kind of tiger mom stereotype for Claudia. Her older sister was going to be a doctor. There was a lot of kind of Asian stereotype before. So in this new series, Claudia, again, Japanese, totally, you know, we saw this coming. Um, what I didn't see coming, which made me so happy, is Marianne. So in the books, in the movies, in the shows, like previous to this series, Marianne has been a timid white girl with like mousy brown hair. Her father is very uh, overprotective. Because Marianne's mother died and he doesn't know how to raise a girl. And, you know, kind of those same tropes that we heard before from other other shows. This time, we get to see a mixed race character who, in my opinion, is the second lead here. The The role of Christy, she's the the powerful one, I guess, or, you know, she takes the leadership positions most often. She's the president of the club. Um, the first, the first books, even the first episode of the series follows her and her story. So you tend to think of her as the leader, like a main character might be, uh, Marianne though, is Christie's best friend from childhood which makes Marianne kind of the number two character. Um, And seeing as we never got to see anyone other than Claudia portraying 
someone other than a white person, it's super exciting to, <laughs> to see some diversity. Um, it doesn't stop there. We got to see um, some Latinx people. Uh, we got to see uh, just some LGBTQ people, um, which all of that, very exciting. I liked right away. Uh, so if you haven't watched it and you're just you're listening to get more, uh, more of an idea or maybe you're not going to watch it so you just want to know, um, the premise is uh, Christy is a girl who wants uh, to make money always. Uh, she also always wants to be in power. Her parents, um, don't, uh, or need a babysitter. They go through a hard time trying to find a babysitter. Uh, Christy decides this is the great opportunity. They'll have a club where parents can call like for two hours on, you know, three nights a week, uh, to schedule them for babysitting. And that is the whole premise. Uh, so they, started, I can't remember if it was episode one or two, but right away there was gender identity was brought up, which was again, exciting. It might've been more dramatic, but again, it's meant to make an impact. So, you know, understood. Uh, but we see a child who, uh, identifies as female when Marianne comes over to babysit. Um, I think the, I think her name is Bailey, Bailey or Riley, um, gets like water all over her dress. Uh, so Marianne says, you know, like, well, great. We get to change into a different princess dress. And she goes up, uh, to her room and sees a closet of traditionally male clothing, uh, again, women can wear whatever they want. Men can wear whatever they want, but this is what they're trying to show. Uh, and Marianne kind of looks and sees that there aren't any cute dresses. Um, and she starts putting it together, which I also thought was great because ultimately they're saying that these girls are in middle school, right? I think they're in eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. Um, and so Marianne is really putting this together very quickly um, with a child who is definitely communicative, but doesn't have to disclose the way like uh, some adults feel that they need to, especially at this age of you know six or so, um, where she, she's just presenting as a woman. Um, she doesn't need to, you know, let anyone know that she's trans. And Marianne just kind of, it all clicks. The child says about how her, these are her old clothes and here are her new clothes. Marianne gets it right away and Marianne is on board. All good. I was so happy that there wasn't some internal struggle. That Marianne didn't, you know, have a shocked face. Oh, what happened? Like, it was well done. It was well done. They presented the issue they showed how Marianne uh, didn't didn't even blink an eye. Just went, got it, new closet, let's do this. It, very cool. I liked it a lot because especially in the times I was growing up, 90s TV shows, Saturday morning, like the, the Saved by the Bells and the California Dreamin' and all that stuff, 
what we would have seen is somebody panic and then run out of the room and leave the six-year-old just sitting there on the bed. Uh, so it was much better this way. Uh, and then Marianne gets to stand up for her, uh, her charge, the girl she's babysitting, uh, when she gets a fever. So the child gets a fever, has a cold. I don't really, she was sick. Anyway, Marianne can't get any adults on the phone. So does what a good babysitter would do, calls, calls an ambulance. Cause again, can't drive. Cause she's like seventh or eighth grade. She's 13 ish. I think they're in that area. Um, gets the kid to the hospital. Uh, kids in bed doesn't feel well. She looks real sick and she's whiny and the doctors come in or uh, we assume two doctors, a doctor and a nurse, medical professionals walk into the room and start using some kind of generic male <laughs> terminology, I guess, you know, Hey champ, Hey buddy, let's look at him and using the wrong pronoun. It's, I, again, totally makes sense. They had to show that they were actively not using the correct pronoun. Um, it couldn't, they could not allow for somebody to miss that in the show, right? That they didn't hear it. Uh, it was hard to sit and listen to, um, partially because there were so many, um, uh, incorrect, uh, pronouns, uh, (laughs) just sitting there going, she, 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 but again, learning opportunity. Uh, Marianne, this little 13 year old (laughs) says like, can I talk to you guys outside? Takes the, takes the medical professionals out and she rips into them. Now again, dramatic effect. I think, I don't know if, I don't know that a doctor would be like, sure. 12 to 13 year old girl. We'll go outside and talk to you about a child that is not yours. You know, HIPAA be damned. But, again, she yells at them and says, hey, you know, this is about gender identity. You are misgendering this person. She, you know, goes by she, her, uh, hers. You need to knock it off. Don't read a chart, read a person kind of stuff. Um, but basically has her shit handled on how to, you know, get an adult to start thinking about gender identity. Kind of, I mean, was very succinct, very understanding of like the issue. Anyway, her dad, who I never remember his name, but I love him. He's the guy from the good place. He played like the ultimate devil guy in the good place. He's also been in some like, uh, I want to say superhero of some things. I don't know. He always plays stiff, generic white guy. Um, but he's, he plays Marianne's dad in this and he run like races to the hospital because again, his daughter's left a message saying, Hey, we're going to the hospital with my charge. Um, he witnesses Marianne standing up uh, for this little girl. And of course he's very proud. He takes her to the car to take her home after the parents show up, obviously. Um, and she, she's saying how she thinks she's in trouble because, you know, she went to the hospital without telling anybody or getting permission. And 
you know, yelling at the adults or whatever. And the dad very rightly is like, nah, dude, I'm proud of you. You did all of the right things. And I think that's the other thing. We see a lot in TV shows of the parents being like, no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I don't know. It could be, it could be a generational thing. It could be. And I'm not saying that my parents have never apologized because they have, but there is never a day that I can remember being in the car and I have done something wrong uh, or, you know, we have had a disagreement and my parents saying something to the effect of, no, I'm sorry. This is what, da, da, da. No, it just, it's not a thing. So again, maybe it's different households, but my parents, you know, I feel were very typical, like other people's parents that you didn't have the sit down of, Hey, I wanted to apologize about my former ideas. It's much more about like, Oh, Hey, situation's changed. Yeah, no, that's cool. Like this is right. Or that is wrong or whatever. Um, so you had to have that hallmark moment, the after school, especially, I'm just so proud and, and, uh, you know, I'll take it easier on you and things like that. Uh, but ultimately really good story choice. I liked it a lot. I think it was presented well. Um, yeah. So they also, this was a, this was a thing. Um, they brought up the Japanese internment camps. So in the original series, Claudia, um, her grandmother has a stroke and it becomes, um, about how do you communicate with somebody who has, uh, struggles with communication. Not only did it start with me being an immigrant and having to learn English as a second language, um, but Claudia Kishi now has to figure out a way to talk to her grandmother, not only in English because Claudia doesn't speak Japanese, but now with a woman who um, has, has a very difficult time expressing herself because the stroke has left, you know, part of her face paralyzed. She has to learn how to speak again. Her cognitive abilities are impaired. She's not connecting words and meanings the same way. Um, so it was interesting that this was, that they were, you know, bringing it back from the different shows and books and things, but they added to it with Mimi having been in a Japanese internment camp as a child. And it was, it was very interesting how they went to it. Basically, um, Claudia's older sister does know Japanese and had asked her grandmother about the Japanese internment camps before. So understood when Mimi, the grandma was trying to explain what she was, you know, thinking about what she was connecting. Um, and you know, Claudia didn't know to ask, which I also understand too. I mean, she's very young. I don't know if they would have gotten to, well, I mean, they might've gotten to world war two in history classes, but also, you know, the, her family dynamic doesn't seem um, very chatty, but Mimi is her favorite person, um, so it is a little surprising she doesn't know. But maybe, it, maybe it's an age thing. Um, I'm not too, <laughs> not too hung up on that. 
it was a little silly that um, Mimi kept saying over and over like a few select words so that when <laughs> Claudia's sister is telling the story of the Japanese internment camp, she's using those same words um, for Claudia to make the connection. Um, it was a little hit over the head, but again, not meant for adults, meant for children. Maybe they need it. I don't know. Um, but it was an interesting take that they added this to all, like all a big heavy situation. Um, also saying, Hey, it's not just, you know, you are yourself and it's hard to talk. It's, you know, it's something that can regress your memory or it can impair your memory. Um, some stroke patients, you know, end up with permanent dementia. Um, because again, you know, your body just kind of stops, you know? Um, so it was just, it's an interesting take. They didn't go too much further into it. Uh, it was towards the end of the season, but I thought smart, cool move. Um, where it got stupid (laughs) was with Stacy's diabetes. So let me tell you, if you weren't a fan of the Babysitter's Club, or you've never even heard of it until now, it, Stacy having diabetes is canon, right? Every book, movie, TV show, Stacy has diabetes. And everyone needs to know that Stacy has diabetes because it was a way for, I think, the writer and the producers of the movies and things to introduce disability uh, chronic illness in a way, um, or to, to, to bring up, uh, chronic illness in a way that children could understand. So in the books and movies way back in the day, uh, Stacy was, uh, embarrassed by being diabetic. She did explain it to all of her charges, you know, oh, this is insulin, and oh, yeah, sometimes I need an apple. There was a, a old show, an old Babysitter's Club show, where Stacy became a model for half a second, and because, <laughs> because of the hectic schedule of being a model, she, uh, like, missed an apple break and, like, passed out. It was a whole thing. She wasn't eating because of the whole thing, and then her diabetes, it was a whole thing. Anyway, so good things about New Stacy. New Stacy has an insulin pump, which is far more common than people um, injecting insulin, right? It regulates, it's, you know, plugged into her side, there's a port, all that stuff. She wears the, uh, the pump on her belt. They start, though... <laughs> And I, I think they also knew that everybody knows Stacy has diabetes. Um, they start with her mom kind of acting ashamed of her daughter having diabetes. They're in a changing room. They are looking for clothes that cover up her port. Uh, they, you know, don't lift your arms. Oh, we can't, you know, we can see it, all this stuff. Um, which I kind of... I I mean, okay. I think it was weird that, you know, the mom was super uptight about it. Um, Stacy, it would make sense for me if Stacy, you know, she didn't want to portray that part of herself to the world. Okay. Um, mom though, I just, I don't know. I didn't really get it. Anyway, point is, 
the point is the mom is overprotective and super freaking out about everything um, regarding diabetes, which again makes sense once you find out that Stacy's only had diabetes for like eleven minutes. So the what had happened, we find out uh, she was losing weight, she was feeling sick, her mom didn't believe her, and sent her to a therapist uh, for anorexia for an eating disorder. Um, and she just kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So I don't know if in season two, we'll see more about this mom. Uh, I also don't know if we're going to find out more if maybe the, the diabetes, her needing to always take Stacy to a doctor to be vigilant and militant when it comes to her eating and her, where she is, uh, (laughs) and things like that. But I could also see if we'll find out that she feels super guilty for sending her daughter to eating disorder therapy when, you know, she didn't believe her and she continued to get sick. Um, I don't know, though. Honestly, she made the best decision with what she had. It was a seventh grade girl who was into fashion and friends and you do have to keep an eye out especially at that age so I don't know again I'm not here to make parenting judgments on the fictitious back to back to the diabetes so she though I guess they picked up and moved from New York City to Stony Brook Massachusetts where every babysitter's club has been Stony Brook that is where they live when I was a kid I thought it was Storybrook. It annoyed me that it was Stony Brook. Anyway, point is, according to the new show, Stacy's family picked up from the Upper East Side of New York City, moved to Massachusetts because a viral video went around of Stacy having a diabetic seizure. So they show this video of Stacy, uh, she's collapsed. She's on the floor of the cafeteria and she's having seizures. She's bouncing around. Uh, she, it's very clear that, you know, it's, it's a medical emergency. Somebody's standing there with a phone. Again, it's a middle school. So, okay. Um, there are people saying, you know, Oh, call the police, things like that, whatever. Um, but the story is because that viral video was so embarrassing, the family left New York City and moved to Stony Brook so that Stacy could, like, start again? I don't know. I'm hoping maybe they flush that out, too, a little bit in season two. I honestly, and I don't even know if I'm going to watch season two. Right now, though, it makes me both heartbroken and laugh that Stacy's parents were like, yeah, that is, that is a horrible video. You can't stay here. We need to leave. <laughs> She's, yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, but she then has to defend herself to all of these parents. These parents who are like, what if that happens again? Oh, because the video gets out. So now everybody in Stony Brook knows, too. Which they didn't pick up and move again, so whatever. <laughs> the video comes out. The parents are like, all of the parents, all of the babysitters, club babies that they sit for, all of those parents are coming out saying, oh, you know, they're all in one room. 
we, you know, I can't trust her with my kid because what if that happens again? And da, 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 da. and basically Stacy's like, well, it could happen again, but, but also I have this insulin pump. I know what's happening now. I take good care of myself, but also I will resign from the babysitter's club. I'll resign. Uh, and thankfully the, uh, there's a doctor, one of these, uh, okay. So a set of parents are both, I think one is, what did she say? I think she said that she was an endocrinologist. Oh, I should take better notes. And then her wife is the principal or teacher of some kind. They were both at the school dance and, and one of them is a doctor. So the other one must, you know, work at the school somehow. Um, but the endocrinologist is saying, hey guys, uh, you're all idiots. I've seen her manage her diabetes. Yes, Stacy, you haven't fooled me. I've known about your diabetes for this whole time. Okay, cool. So then the rest of the group is like, oh, okay, we believe the doctor. Fine. Great. All, all fantastic. Happy that she can go on to continue babysitting. It, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe it's because diabetes is so much, uh, talked about so much more now, but, um, it, it did feel a little inauthentic that Stacy's whole family had to leave. They had to leave the Upper East Side because a viral video of their daughter having a diabetic seizure came out. Oh my gosh. And again, could be just me, but I enjoyed all of this. So in the, I should also say in the stories and, uh, like the books and the movies, um, Dawn's mom and Marianne's dad, uh, get married. So they started that in this season too, um, that Dawn and Marianne might get to become sisters, um, which is exciting. They're, they're giving us a bigger piece of the adult relationship pie. And that could be because they have some star power with these adults. Um, so again, I really should do better research, but like the mom, Christie's mom is played by Alicia Silverstone, who, you know, clueless fame, blast from the past, a hundred other things. Um, very fun, smart, good actress. Uh, she kind of comes out of the gate swinging. She's, she's more than this, uh, you know, off camera adults that the books kind of make, uh, all of the parents out to be. She is also married or gets married to a man called named Watson, uh, that's again, canon from the books and the movies as well. Um, but played by the Royal Pains guy, which was very fun. He's in a hundred things and I can never remember his name, but he is just trying to, you know, make Christy feel okay about this whole marriage thing. So, I mean, that's, that's another, whatever. He buys the one brother a car and he buys her a new dress and this, that, whatever. Um, but Alicia Silverstone kills it. Love her. So I'm glad we get to see a little bit from the adults. Obviously, it's still 
follows the children. But if you were, let's say, babysitting and you're the six, seven, eight year old wants to watch this, there's at least something that you can see develop relationship wise. Um, so in that respect, worth, worth watching. So yeah, uh, essentially it was a good time for what it was. I wouldn't, you know, I would recommend it to younger people. I don't think I will watch it again, but you know, there were interesting themes like when at the very end in the, the season, uh, series season finale, it, it was the two parter at the end. They go to camp and not only do they talk about um, protesting and what a sit-in is and <laughs> uh, peaceful protesting. They also talk about the wage gap <laughs> and, uh, and class disparities, which is, again, very cool to bring these subjects that we're talking about as adults um, into a practical level for non-adults. Um they also mimicked, which I thought was very fun, the play. This is just a theater nerd thing. Such a theater nerd thing. The play that Marianne is directing follows the idea of Les Miserables, uh, except with a time-traveling element. And the, <laughs> the protest, uh, <laughs> the protest that Don's putting on uh follows the actual like French revolution concept from Les Miserables. They even build uh, a barricade with the chairs and things like you would see in a production of Les Mis. Um, Very funny. I loved that they paralleled that. Uh, Very, very cool. Again, though, you get the, you know, the person who runs the camp. Oh, you know, oh, you, you taught me to love that kind of crap. Um, they didn't really, but there was still this woman gave them a lot of rope to hang themselves. And yet, I, I mean, at the end of the day, they, be, they get their way. They get to be counselors in training and all this other stuff, uh, you know, for setting up sit-ins and whatever. There, there was just unreasonableness on both sides, uh, that, they couldn't do their own craft in the middle of the woods. It's camp. You absolutely can do your own craft in the middle of the woods. That point for the babysitter's club. Uh, the fact that it was okay for, for them to just randomly talk on the speaker about whatever, whatever they wanted to, whatever Don wanted to. Yeah, that I feel like that would have gotten shut down like right away, and that should have been point for the counselors. So. I mean, I know it's not real life, but, um, yeah, I also really enjoyed towards the beginning, I'm just jumping all over here, that (laughs) they took a non-social media approach to their advertising, saying, you know, hey, this doesn't, this doesn't work, this might work. It was a fun nod to the old Babysitter's Club where there wasn't social media because it wasn't really invented yet, or at least wasn't used yet. And now going back and saying, hey, nobody's following us so nobody sees this post and nobody's, you know, calling. Let's put up flyers and they hand out flyers. And that's how, you know, people were able to call in. Uh, They also say how they found a use for the landline. 
that tickles me to no end because that was a big deal in the books that Claudia had her very own dedicated phone line in her room. That made her the coolest of all of the Babysitter's Club, really of the whole world, because as as a 12-year-old, all I want, and I had no one to call. I don't know why I cared so much. As a 12-year-old girl, I was hyper-focused on getting my very own phone line in my room. I... I won a battle and got a phone plugged into our normal landline in my room once I had friends who called. Yeah, I never got a dedicated phone line. I I think that was a wise move on my parents' part. Yeah. And now nobody would nobody would even think twice about having even having a landline. It's it's a crazy world we live in. Anyway, very cool, the things that they're bringing up. I'm sure I'm missing a hundred because I don't take notes. I just watch and tell you what remained in my brain. Uh, so if I miss something that you were like, Elizabeth, what the heck? Um, email me, uh, Netflix and Spill Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also tweet me. Uh, I'm super good on the Twitters. <laughs> Uh, that's again, Netflix, uh, at Netflix and spill. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. You can comment. Honestly, if you want to keep this conversation going, I am all for it. Um, and also we can always come back talk about, um, more about the babysitters club. Cause I will tell you, I'm fangirling hard on this one. I'm trying to meet like to quell my enthusiasm, but it was. It made me very happy. If they made a Save by the Bell reboot on on Netflix, I mean, I I think everybody would have to turn their volume down to like one, and I'd still be shouting. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I hope you watched it or didn't. I hope that uh, this at least was helpful or entertaining. Uh, whichever, both, neither. Okay. I'm so glad that you joined us again today. I'm, again, I'm Elizabeth. This is Netflix and Spill on the DVMPE. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you later. Bye!